The following podcast contains spoilers and very rude words. Everybody and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. The boys are back. It's B Dizzle and the Toefmeister here with you. How you doing, bud? That was very energetic. That's, you got to have some energy. You know how it is. No, I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't, do I've you? I've forgotten. <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? When did you last join me? Oh, the drunken, I've got no doubt it was horrible, Daredevil Daredevil episode. That was literally the hardest edit I've ever had to do. I'm not surprised. (laughs) We are going to do a Christmas special this year again, though, right? We have to. It's tradition. Well, uh, I I don't know. Are there any Christmas movies left? (laughs) You know, we could do Violent Night. (laughs) I'm so keen. <laughs> Let's do I'm it. I'm so keen for that movie. Let's I get need some it. David Harbour in into my our eyeballs. eyeballs. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Violent Harbour this week, are we? Violent Harbour. Violent Harbour. <laughs> oh my god, it started. He's already. had two sips, people. <laughs> well, it's it's a, this. Is, you know what? We're doing another marathon, and this is simultaneously our longest and shortest. Because while it's only three films, it's what like fourteen hours long. It's several days. It's intense. <laughs> So, what are we talking about first, mate? We're going to go chronologically. Are we? Yeah. <laughs> That's um, interesting. We'll shake it up a bit. We'll start our Lord of the Rings with the Hobbit trio <laughs> with the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, not the Hobbit. We're going to skip the Hobbits. No, we're not that desperate. <laughs> we're not even going to watch your fan edit, which is easily the best way to watch the Hobbit. Thank you. <laughs> you spent a while on that, didn't you? Well, I must have because I must have sat through three Hobbit films. <laughs> Which is something that nobody can say for the last 10 years. That's true. (laughs) Well, let's get into Fellowship then. I'm really, really excited for this one. This is my favourite of them. Yours? Um, I was going to touch on that at the end. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll, I'll cut that then. Just to shut that down, sorry. All right. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring is a 2001 epic fantasy adventure film directed by Peter Jackson from a screenplay by Fran Walsh, Philippa Boyens, and Jackson based on, of course, the 1954 novel The Fellowship of the Ring, the first volume of The Lord of the Rings. It stars Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Liv Tyler, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, John Rhys-Davies, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, Orlando Bloom, Christopher Lee, Hugo Weaving, Sean Bean, Ian Holm, and Andy Serkis. What a cast, and what is it about, Toph? Um, Look, definitely not World War One, according to <laughs> Tolkien, but also definitely it's definitely World about World War One. <laughs> Like, just be honest about it. You know, it's like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is so clearly about Jesus, and, and at least C.S. Lewis admitted it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> good good buddies as well. Yes, yes. That That is a fun fact, fun literary fact. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I think everyone, I don't think that's news to anyone <laughs> at this point in time, but... Well, shall we do it, mate? Shall we watch a thing? Love to. Let's do it. Let's hit some rings. Good gravy that movie holds up, doesn't it? Um, I love that film. Yeah, me too. I love that film. Skipping to the end. <laughs> revealing my thoughts on a 20-year-old film. <laughs> um, really enjoyed that. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a lo- And every time- Like, I can't remember how long it's been since I've seen the theatrical cut. Oh, no, actually, I can tell you. It was only last year. <laughs> Because when the 4K release came out, they played them all at the cinemas. And I was like, sick, they're going to play the 4K edition at the cinemas. They didn't, for some reason. Even though it was to coincide with the 4K release, they played the theatrical cut, which I thought was very strange. Um, yeah, it's a really dick move and also quite funny. Yeah. I rate, I rate yeah. it. <laughs> but that was the first time I've seen the theatrical cut in probably about 15 years. Yeah, it's at this point, I don't even consider the theatrical cut canon. No, I, it's I, extended or bust. I always forget how much the extended cut adds, like, and especially the early part of the film where we're in Hobbiton, just how much 
extra world building you get in that sequence. It, like, honestly, Bilbo's party is already cool. The extended cut makes it like the wedding in The Godfather. It's like the best bit of the film. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold claim. Um, but I do... I mean, fuck, I love everything about this movie. <laughs> I, this, like, being being the generation I am, Star Wars is, has this un- yeah, untouchable yeah. place yeah. in in my heart. But I, there's definitely been, yeah, I think I think it's very safe to say that over the past two decades, there's no other film that I have a relationship to like the one I do with fellowship. When this movie came out, I saw it with, with one, it came out on, on boxing day here in Australia. And they all came out on subsequent boxing days. That's right. If you don't know what boxing day is, it's the day after Christmas. Yes. Um, Where you throw out your boxes (laughs) (laughs) and all the rubbish presents you got. So wait, is, wait, is that an Australian only thing? The term boxing? No, it's British. Right. Okay. Wow. I just assumed it was, Worldwide? <laughs> no, not a thing. Everywhere. Interesting. That's like, you, did you know that Australians are the only ones who say hip hip hooray after singing happy birthday? Is that right? We're the only ones who hip hip. Other countries don't do it. It's like, that is so weird. Well, it's a weird thing to say. <laughs> is it? When, if, if you think about it for more than two seconds, <laughs> it's pretty strange, isn't it? You know, it's always so awkward too when you just wait to see who's going to do it. <laughs> like, sometimes someone does it and you're like... I don't think you're the right person for yeah, this job. Yeah, someone decides they're going to be the birthday alpha. Yeah. And it's like, mm, it would be like, no. let's say we were at your daughter's birthday and I jump in with the hip hip. I'm pretty sure everyone in your family just would be pr- like, what the fuck? Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody else would alpha me on the second hip hip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be gutting for you, wouldn't yeah. it? And everyone else would forget it in 30 seconds flat. You'd cling to it for like six months. Oh, yeah, because that's me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yes, the films came out on Boxing Day. For, for many Australians, myself and this friend included, Boxing Day is kind of like more sacred than Christmas. Yeah. Because it's it's the first day of a test match in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> we, we gave up our morning of watching the Boxing Day Test match to go and watch the first session. Oh, back in 2001. Yeah, of of Fellowship of the Ring because it meant enough to us. Now, to many people, Billy, you included, that doesn't sound like much. But for (laughs) me and this friend, that's a really big deal. I totally get that. (laughs) I get that. And obviously it's it's opening day, so you're sitting in a cinema with like-minded people. Yeah. And you could you could feel it in the cinema this oh. feeling of oh my god they did it yeah it was palpable yeah yeah and it was joyous i so i remember cuz i i of course worked at, at the cinema we saw it in i worked there at the time i was just going to ask if you were working there at the time so i remember the day the trailer came out this is before fucking i'm i'm old this is before youtube yeah and i remember working that day the the projectionist Comes downstairs, he's like, Chris, go into cinema too. Yeah. You're going to want to see this. <laughs> and I stand there and there, is, there isn't even a movie playing. He just plays me the trailer. Oh, so it's an empty, like there's no actual session. He's just- No, you he's, for a he's upstairs in the, in, the, in, in, in the projection booth. I'm in the cinema by myself and he plays me the trailer. Yeah. And I- I mean, I. <laughs> yeah. I've never. I don't know if I've been more excited for anything in my life. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that it delivered was stunning. And then we just went on to have this ridiculous relationship with it. Like when it came out on DVD, the theatrical cut, not the extended cut. Yeah. The day it came out, it was like opening day again. We had like yeah, seven oh, yeah, people yeah. pile into my house. Yeah. A friend of mine who bought you, it, he was I'm the I'm assuming you were in sharehouse territory by this no, point. No, I was still living with my folks. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we had like seven people, I kid you not, in my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. To watch to watch the theatrical cut, which one of the guys had been like, I'll be the patsy who buys it. We all knew the extended cut was coming out. Yes. But he's yeah. like, well, one of us needs to just buy this one so we can watch it, <laughs> you know, fucking post haste. Yeah. So opening night all over again. In my bedroom, it was amazing. It then became a thing that I'm thrilled to hear is 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 a thing. Not just me being weird, 
that I watched Fellowship on Christmas. I was just going to say that. You still, to this day, watch it. Well, you 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 let all three play in the background for, like, the whole day, don't you? Yeah. Christmas yeah. has just become Lord of the Rings Day. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> we used to put it on a part, like, when we were, you know, we when we were, like, you know, 19, 20 years old or whatever, and it would get to 1 a.m. or something, a bunch yeah. of just drunk-as-shit guys. Decent odds that someone was going to be like, should we, should we put on fellowship <laughs> yeah. to a resounding yeah. fuck? Yes, we should. Yeah. It's so true. And I love that when you can associate a film with a time and place like that. I'm exactly the same. Boxing Day makes me think of Lord of the Rings because it's funny. Even though it was only three years, it was so prominent that it has taken up my entire memory of that day. Like, Boxing Day is not an unusual release day here in Australia for big releases. Like, it's still pretty common that a big release gets dropped on that yeah, day. And quite prestige as well. Often. Yes. But there is there is something special about Lord of the Rings and Boxing Day for me that just... See, so this is interesting. We're coming at it from two different perspectives because I'm a little bit younger than you. Not a, not a heap. You must have been around 18 or so when this came out. That'd be about right. Yeah. yeah. So I was 13 and I'm get because I know what a massive fan of the literature you are. I'm guessing that you were familiar with the books. Yeah. I'm, look, I'm not going to try and pass myself off here as a, you're not as like a, a scholar. No, yeah. I'm not like, I don't have. But this is your genre, you know, like I know that you're a massive reader of, you know, like the Wheel of Time series as well. It's or- very much my wheelhouse. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Have I read Lord of the Rings more than once? Yes. Yeah. Do I have not all who are not all who wander a lost tattooed on me anyway? No, I don't. <laughs> See, so I was only thirteen, and I was. This is going to sound strange because it's almost incomprehensible to think about at the moment. I was like completely unfamiliar. I had virtually zero idea what Lord of the Rings was, even though your beard was already like Gandalf. <laughs> well, yes, I did often get mistaken for a student teacher, <laughs> but I had I'd never read the books. I hadn't even read The Hobbit yet. I remember reading The Hobbit after this. I stole The Hobbit from a friend of mine, and I still have that copy to this day with his name written on the front page. Um, so yeah, I went in completely blind, and it was a family friend who they were obsessed. They loved it. And they didn't have kids themselves. So they said to mum and dad, like, you know, we'd really love to, you know, shit. Like, can we take your kids to see this at the cinema? And it was there was something special. I, I remember, you're exactly right, like sitting there in the cinema and you can feel that you're watching something special unfold. And this is from someone who didn't even, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to see a movie. I love movies, whatever. I don't know what this is. But my God, it was incredible. <laughs> Starts off, of course, with a prologue. Yes. Bit of bit of groundwork done by the writers. Um just seven minutes of I know. straight up exposition. Yep. And people try to tell you that you can't use voiceover in film effectively. Get fucked. Because <laughs> you can. Because this rules. <laughs> yeah. I don't and it's I don't know why it works, because on paper it shouldn't. You're right. It's seven minutes long. It's voiceover. It's nothing but exposition. There's like almost a minute of yeah. it starts just in black. Yes. And it's not even like, it's funny. You wouldn't even really call it world building either because it is just too much straight exposition. Like you don't actually see the world unfold or anything. They're literally telling you what happened. It shouldn't work. And I don't know why it does. Do you have any idea why it works? Part of it is this is gonna and this is gonna be a theme throughout probably all these episodes we do. One thing that they just lean into com- and they just commit to it so hard is we're going to do our best Tolkien. Yeah, we are there, and it's hope right, yes. and just trust You're right. that you come with us. It is a high fantasy. And it was really like before high fantasy, like this was a thing, you know, like I think back to films like Excalibur, for example, and back then to do a movie like this, it had to be, it had to feel more modern, I guess. Like it had to be gritty and there had to be violence and often sex and stuff. Lord of the Rings. Or, or, or quite campy. Yes. And Lord of the Rings does away with both. Lord of the Rings is just like, this is taking itself very seriously 
but it's just telling us to uh, yeah you're absolutely right it's it's literally like it's like when you see a motion comic and it's like okay this is a comic put on the big screen you're right this feels more like literature than it does a movie for some reason and it's like obviously Blanchett doing it as Galadriel just yes commits so hard to it as well like the you know the like my favorite bit of it is that the little pause in but the hearts of men are easily <laughs> and it's just like the the opportunity that something like that has to not work yeah if it was for instance done by me <laughs> as you just heard <laughs> is enormous yeah the and the only way this happens time and again in the film the only way it works is if you utterly commit to it yes and yeah. and and you hope to god that the audience comes with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, while you're talking about Kate Blanchett, but before we kind of dig deeper into the progression of the film, can we just take a moment here to pause and talk about the cast and the casting of the film? Because firstly, I, I, let me ask you a question because you're probably more familiar with this than me. I don't even understand how this film got made. I know that the Token Estate is very kind of particular about who they will and won't let adapt stuff. And for a virtually unknown, internationally at least, Kiwi filmmaker who's mainly known for kind of comedy gore films to jump into this. And then I love the fact that casting wise, there are some big ish names in it. I mean, like Kate Blanchett was a known person at the time, but she's not like a mega star or anything. By no means is there a giant star in this film like even elijah wood i knew him at the time because i was a kid and i had seen was like, north i'd seen flipper and north but he wasn't like a he wasn't like leonardo dicaprio at the time yeah. like it's sean, pretty amazing sean bean was sean bean but he wasn't full i can't wait to see this guy get killed <laughs> sean bean yeah, exactly yeah i mean i don't i couldn't even pro- i mean probably ian mckellen was the largest name in the film there's you and- know, there's an argument that it was liv tyler Oh, you know what? We're it coming prob- off Armageddon. Yeah, yeah, probably would have been. Yeah, she was definitely a thing around this time. Yes, yeah, true. McKell- McKellen is Magneto for for most people. Most people like probably haven't seen Sir Ian on the stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but not but not megastars. And the it's fun like going back and rereading the books post the films. Yeah, it's incredible. How many of the of the actors chosen you when you picture, read the book yeah. now? That's just who it is. Yeah, like yeah, Gandalf just is McKellen. Yeah, Aragorn just is Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, For, I mean, I mean, there's not a knock on Elijah Wood. Frodo's a bit different because they make him a kid. Yeah, I mean, he was eight. He was eighteen or nineteen. He was still a teenager when they shot it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Frodo's in his what in his 40s i think i believe yeah well he cuz he's around the same age that bilbo was in the hobbit right yeah so that one that one's a bit different there's no knock on elijah wood i mean merry and pippin oh they are so good as far as i'm concerned <laughs> that's merry and pippin every single cast member in this entire franchise fucking nails it and i think you're right i think what makes it work is that they fully commit to it they just dive right into this is what this film is. It is high fantasy and I'm this person. And they all nail it. So McKellen gets Oscar nominated for it. Yeah, which is rare for a film like this. It is. And you want, okay, I suppose one part of you is like, okay, does it happen if if, if your name doesn't start with Sir (laughs) already? (laughs) But watching it again, I was like, it's, it's, I wouldn't find it hard now to make an argument that he should have won. I honestly, like, re-watching it, I think this is one of my favourite acting performances of all time. Like, and it's funny because in a lot of ways, there's nothing actually really that flashy or showy about it. It's not like he has any majorly dramatic scenes. Like, he has a few, like, uh, obviously the Balrog scene is amazing. But even early on in the film, when... When Frodo is showing him the ring and trying to give it to him, and Gandalf is like, "You cannot give me this ring." <laughs> like, there's something in his delivery that is so authentic. Uh, I, I, I noted that watching it, just just this last time, the the delivery of that line, I'm so in love with the oh. because you can just read it as, "Don't tempt me, Frodo." Yes, there's a kind of 
he inserts this panic yeah, where yeah, he just yeah, needs yeah. to get out the word don't. Yes. And then finishes the line. Exactly. And it's yep. just, it's not something that every actor's going to think to do no. because not everyone's Ian McKellen. No. And he he plays it so, so well, like incredibly well. Like I don't think there's another actor who could pull that off because let's face it, like you brought it up before that most high fantasy to this point had been cheesy, kind of campy. And there is something inherently campy about that character on paper. And not the way that Tolkien wrote it, but if you just give somebody a description of Gandalf, it's kind of campy and corny. But he pulls it off in the same way that Tolkien did. It's incredible. Yeah, the fact that he can do that while setting off fireworks. <laughs> oh, like gleef- yeah. Gleefully setting Gleef- off fireworks. Oh, he is such it's a astonishing. So, he's, <laughs> so he gets nominated in supporting. Now, 40 minutes into the film, if you're like, who's the lead? It actually is Gandalf, yes, the, the yeah. way the film's made. Mm. Obviously, you know, spoilers. He doesn't make it through the entire film. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's fair enough that he winds up in supporting, and Jim Broadbent wins that year for Iris. I assume Broadbent was very good in Iris. I've not seen Iris. <laughs> Jim Broadbent's very good. Okay, good luck to you, Jim Broadbent. Previously, I've probably always been a bit of a Ben Kingsley was robbed for Sexy Beast, which he is astonishing in, and if. Ben Kingsley had won. I'd I'd be happy with that. Yeah. But yeah. But gee, like I really do think you can make a solid case that McKellen should win for this. Yeah. Now remind me because obviously Return of the King was the the big Oscar film, and that makes sense. Everybody knew that that was coming. That's the final of the trilogy. It kind of makes sense to leave all the nominations for that one. So I find it very surprising that Ian McKellen was nominated for this because he is incredible. Was he the only nomination for this film? Yes, he was. Yeah. That doesn't surprise- Well, it surprises me that he got nominated, but that's incredible. That's how good his performance is. <laughs> and he, he, of course, is- The film does so much legwork early on to emphasise the size of Hobbits without- And it's, it's, a, it's a very kind of nifty tightrope it walks. It doesn't hit you over the head with it, and yet yep. it's constantly reminding you- Gandalf is so much bigger than this guy. Yeah, yeah. And the, one of the great things about the way they shot it with the force perspective yes. is that, of course, even though it's 20 years old, it's not special effects, so it hasn't that oh. aspect of the film hasn't dated because yes. it's either just force perspective or a double yeah, or yeah. someone or just like as basic as someone on their knees. Exactly. And I like later on in the trilogy, which I'm sure we'll get to from memory, there are some green screeny type shots that don't work as well. But you're right, the force perspective stuff, when he is in Frodo's hobbit hole, and because for that first 40 minutes of the scene he is surrounded only by hobbits, it's almost easy to forget that it's not the other way around and that Gandalf isn't a giant because there are some scenes where he looks so... And it's a great effect. Like, when he's in Frodo's hobbit hole and he's having to duck and everything... And he hits his head, which was a mistake. Yeah. And they just kept it and it's just the best. It just works so well. Force perspective, you're right. It holds up. It's like rewatching Eternal Sunshine and that scene where they're children under the table. And you look at the behind the scenes of that and how that was shot and it's just... it's. Fucking genius. <laughs> Filmmakers these days just can't be stuffed, Billy. Nah, they can't. They're, oh, except for Nolan. Daddy Nolan is the only yeah. one who does it right. Yeah. Where did he, where did he, where was he, where's he setting off the bomb for Oppenheimer? <laughs> are you, are you keen for Oppenheimer? Yeah, I can't help myself. I'm keen. Okay, but it comes out the same day as Barbie though. Which one are you going to see? Barbie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Something that. That hasn't dated in his film again, I don't think anyway, which in a lot of things does, is the fan service that's in there, I really like. Because it's little, it's not, it's not, there's something just that doesn't jar for me about it with the way they do things that are just like, if you know, you know, and if you don't, actually doesn't affect this. Yeah, it's not like fan service in the MCU where it's like, now you have to go and read 400 comics and watch 10 TV series, you yeah. shit. <laughs> like, you get you get that, if you're a fan of the, the source material, yeah. you get those, and it's a, sure, there's, there's absolutely a level of self-satisfaction about it. <laughs> not going to pretend there's well, not. Especially that, for you. You're a very self-satisfactory individual. Pretty self-satisfied. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, the the little thing they did, which I still love, that they just keep on inserting chapter names into the dialogue. Oh right! So oh, you get man, like early that's... on, you get you get a long expected party, you get riddles in the dark, you get a shortcut to mushrooms. Yeah, and if you know, you just get this little hair cool. Yeah, if you don't, it doesn't affect the film. Unlike, yeah. look, a film that I really really enjoy, Rogue One. Yep. Here I am. It's a couple of weeks before the events of A New Hope and our main character on a different planet has bumped into the guy that Obi-Wan is about to dismember. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 they didn't. <laughs> Stop it. I Stop mean, it. No, they did not. I mean, even a closer, even the fan service in The Hobbit where it's like, hey, look, here's a guy from Lord of the Rings. Check this out. It's like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in this, the thing, and, you know, thankfully with with these films, where we're at the dawn of the IP age, so yes. it's not like you'd have studio notes going. Yeah, that's true. You know this what you should before, have before, like franchises. Yeah, yeah. Another fun thing that uh, Bilbo and Gandalf do early doors in the film, which will set up a thing for the entire trilogy, of course, is smashing pipeweed. <laughs> now, a friend of my, the friend that bought uh, the first. DVD, we won in one of our many viewings of this film. We played a drinking game where every time you can absolutely read it as they're getting stoned, you drink. <laughs> yeah. You don't oh, finish man. the movie sober <laughs> because appara- apparently there's plenty. Th- I understand there's plenty of takes of people smoking pipes in this in the production of this film, and they they really did do it, varying from. It's just tobacco. Yeah. To <laughs> this is the good gear. Oh, uh, I mean, it's- and, and a lot of it kind of falls somewhere in between. But there's no. I don't think there's any way you can watch these films oh. and go. There's not something about pipeweed, <laughs> especially not the extended cut. That that whole sequence at um, Bilbo's party, Gandalf is off his face when he when he goes to grab the- with- <laughs> some more fireworks and he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> He sounds like us at 2 a.m. Yeah. when the nuggets are right. Seth Rogen stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. I'm going to tick off a, a little bit of Billy Bingo here. Um, and I hope that in this case you'll allow it and agree with me because this score by Howard Shaw. It's in my notes. Is absolutely incredible. Like, I think that there is an argument to be made. I, I think obviously you say best film composer of all time. And most people jump immediately to, of course, John Williams. I think James Horner is a close second. You can have some Morricone's in there. uh, Morricone, Hans Zimmer. What Howard Shaw did with this entire franchise is beyond incredible because it is so recognisable and distinct and yet never in your face. It never takes over like a Hans Zimmer score has begun to do recently. It's just... It's so comforting and friendly, and it always fits what is happening on screen. It's just incredible. It's funny that you say it's not in- Because I like I do largely agree when you say it's not in your face, which it, it never quite- It never quite takes over. Yes. But it's like, it is a big- Oh, absolutely. Score. Like, but- there, there are sequences in this film which are very heavily score-driven. You know, you think of like that kind of orc theme when you see them kind of popping out of the ground like daisies and- Oh, yeah. That- Ma- yeah, Mori is littered with it, for sure. And, th- and that sequence lives and breathes on the score, but it never- it, it marries so well with everything else that is happening that it just feels natural. Like, it's- his, his, I was trying- watching it, I was- I was trying to think of a way to describe how it feels to me. Tell me if this rings at all true or if I'm just talking absolute shit, probably the latter. To me, the score of this film has a feeling of something incredibly massive Yeah, that is not pushing that hard, but because of its sheer size, the effect effect is still huge. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. And in fact, I think that that's a perfect way to discuss this entire film because that's that's how I feel about this film. Like this is an epic like of epic proportions. This yeah, I mean, length aside, just the content. This is the first film I can remember seeing that I'm like, wow, this is big in scope. You know, like it feels like a journey. And but you're right. An unexpected one. <laughs> 
but it's not in your face about that. It's not. It's just yeah. It's very. There's something very soft and subtle about the way that this film presents itself, given how large it is. There's a there's a video essay on YouTube by the nerd writer on the score for yep. Lord of the Rings, which if you have any interest at all, I, I don't know music for shit, but I still yep. find it absolutely fascinating. I would strongly recommend it. It's like it's only like I don't know if it's even ten minutes. It's it's yep. a really easy watch and I would definitely encourage people to check it out. It's fascinating. Yeah, nice. Here's something here's something I just fucking love about this film and just give it so much credit for that unlike a lot of IP that's come after this. Yeah. Which seems scared of its audience. The makers of this film kind of intentionally make it so that if you're not ultra familiar with it, you won't be following everything. Like yeah. early doors, you know, Gan- Gandalf leaves the Shire. There's a shot of him going to Minas Tirith. But at that point, if you don't, you're, if you don't you're, new, if you're new to the world, you don't know where he is. Yeah. And they don't explain it. I, like, be- what's, I believe what's he this city? says he's going to see- Does he say he's going to see someone- Like, he basically says, I'm going to see a better wizard than me, doesn't he? Oh, well, that's he's got that, you know, he's both powerful and wise when he's going to see Saruman. But he's there's all, when he's just scouring the scrolls- Yeah, oh, yes. In Minas okay, Tirith, yeah, it yeah. does not explain where is he, how far is it. It's just like, Gandalf's gone somewhere. Yeah. Just- just bear with us. It will be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like like I said, some people will know, and great for them. We're like, oh, first glimpse of Minas Tirith, that's fun. But if you don't know, it turns out it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And this, this will repeat in the next couple of films as well, that they'll just throw things at the audience from the source material and not bother to explain it and rather just kind of trust that, well, this is adding to- the world. It's kind of how it does a lot of its world building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'd give it, I just give it great credit for that to trust that the audience isn't just going to throw the toys out of the cot because they don't understand everything that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got to ask you this because we're now, you know, a half hour on into recording and we've not had a single negative thing to say about this film. Do you have any negatives at all? About the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Yes, but I'm parking it. Parking it? What for? For after a future film? Yes. So it's okay. So I don't want to taint the Lord. Do- I don't want. I don't want to taint <laughs> Fellowship with this. With this take. So that means that this take is broader than just an issue with this film in particular. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favourite bits of world building that this film does is the line, the the scene and the line. If I take one more step, <laughs> it'll be like what a what a great way to just inform us about the character, about these yeah. characters, and yeah. what what their world is, what they feel about anything yeah. beyond this fucking bit of corn. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> something it's genius. I writing. love that. Yeah. I love it. It's very very smart. But it gives it gives us it gives us some character work for our little hobbits yeah. and informs us about. How scary this journey. Like, they've literally yeah. just started the journey. They've yes. literally just oh, started. Barely, yeah, they've barely and the, walked. Like, the first thing that happens is, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. This is the farthest from home I've ever been. Yeah. Have you seen the fan edit on YouTube where <laughs> it's the entire movie, but every time they walk, they cut back to that line. This is so it. It goes for like over 10 hours because they keep cutting back and forth. Every time you see him step, it cuts back to him saying that line over and over and over again. It's mostly, genius. Mostly my friends and I, they're like the once a year that a few of us kind of head away together and, and yeah. catch up for a couple of nights. Guaranteed at some point the Gandalf sax the Gandalf sax is coming on. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. We we make a game to play that in the office at work on all the computers and try sync them up. Like you know, like pause play, pause play until they're all like perfectly synced. It might be the greatest achievement by a human. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> um, you, you touched on Saruman not long ago, who. Obviously, we see more of Saruman than than Sauron because, yeah, Sauron's more of an entity, whereas yes, Saruman is 
He's not a man, but he looks like a man. Yes. So we get this physical The incredibly thing. handsome Christopher Lee. If that's your thing. Your namesake. <laughs> I very nearly was. <laughs> I very nearly was. I'll tell you what. Just last year on the show, actually, around this time it was Halloween, we did um, Dracula on the show, which he played Dracula. Very sexy Dracula. He was a good looking man back in the day. <laughs> big, uh, big tall rooster, Christopher <laughs> yeah. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, something I noticed on this most recent watch, which I'd never picked up on before, I was like, oh, that's cool, is that in that in that meeting in in Saruman's kind of study, yeah, between him and Gandalf, where you first before he hasn't turned yet, but you're already getting a sense that something's not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the kind of shot reverse shot of that scene, they're both standing in front of windows. Yes. The light coming in behind, it's quite, you know, they've clearly put some smoke in there, so it's a bit atmospheric and whatever. And the shafts of light coming in behind Gandalf are coming in at a kind of, I don't know, 30, 45 degree angle or something, pretty standard. Yeah. Yes, the sun is outside somewhere and there's light coming in this window. Yeah. Behind Saruman, it's about 30 degrees but coming upwards. Yeah. And you could watch this. I don't know how many times I've watched this film. It's a shitload. Yeah. And it's the first time you're not meant to notice, but there's just something you get this visual cue that, hang on, yeah, something about this guy's shot isn't quite right, yeah. And some of it is that Christopher Lee is creepy as fuck, <laughs> yes. But there's this other little thing that Andrew Lesney, the late great cinematographer, has done, yeah, to just to just put something in the shot to throw you, even though you almost certainly won't notice. Um, couldn't go the whole thing without shouting out. Andrew Lesney, who fucking rules, and thank God he won an Oscar for one of these films. No, yeah, you're exactly right. And I think it's part of the magic of this film is the way that everything comes together, like the production design, the the visual cues, like you said. I think just the character design is genius. It already, the way that Saruman and Gandalf are so similar in so many ways. They're very tall men with long beards and long hair, and yet they could not look more different in appearance. And that in in itself just gives you a cue. When you see Saruman and he's in like the very clean white robes and his beard and his hair is very straight and clean, and then there's Gandalf with his, you know, stoner hair all over the place. And it instantly gives you this visual cue that there is something different about these two men. Like, yeah. sure, they're both this wizards. This is Middle Earth. But How does this guy have a hair straightener? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's going on? It's all the steam from the fires of Mordor. That's it. And yeah. even he gives Gandalf shit about how much of the gunger he's been hitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just genius costume and character design to differentiate them so well like that. And yet they're so similar in so many ways. I love that when, when the Hobbits make it to Bree and we meet Strider for the first time, I love, it just cracks me up that that Frodo tries to do this real stealthy little look out of the corner of his eyes at this guy that Sam has just pointed at and been like, this motherfucker, what's his problem? Yeah. <laughs> like Frodo's like, I'll try and do it surreptitiously. <laughs> the guy probably hasn't noticed that <laughs> Sam was just literally pointing at him. Yeah. Yeah, fuck it. It's up. The game's up, yeah. Frodo. <laughs> Sam is such an idiot. <laughs> like Stupid fat of it. <laughs> we, we just touched on it, but it is tough to have a main villain who you kind of don't really meet. Like, you see him in the prologue. Yeah, yeah. You know, Sauron's just this kind of entity who is out there, and it forces them, for the most part, to make an object- the main villain, which is really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got yeah. to think. And they I'm- do a pretty stunning job of imbuing this ring. Yeah, yeah. With something beyond, here's a bit of jewellery. I think the really nice thing for me about the ring is that, you know, it's kind of like when you hear about an animal attack, like a, like a shark, for example. Like, let's take Jaws as an example. The thing about Jaws is that it is, I mean, at the end of the day, that's a horror movie. Jaws is the antagonist. He's the villain. But Jaws as a creature is not really villainous. He's just an animal. He's just acting on his instincts. And I kind of feel the same way about The Ring. The Ring is kind of neither good nor bad. It just is. And that's one thing that makes it really interesting story-wise for me is that it's more... 
the power of what the ring is and how that affects the people who carry it and wear it. And I think that that's really interesting. And one thing that the film does really, really well is introduce so many different antagonists along the way. And I think that's what makes it feel so epic and like a journey. It's like things are constantly evolving. You know, like you look at Gollum's progression, which we'll get to later, I'm sure, once he's introduced. And it's it's just really, really nice character development throughout the entire film. Maybe my favourite representation of of Sauron in the film is actually when we see the state that Saruman is in yeah. after having spoken to him. Yes. And he's like, he looks like he's got fucking COVID. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. just the act of conversing with this guy has taken a physical toll on him. Yeah. Because he's that fucking evil. Yeah. Probably didn't even have his hair straight anymore. <laughs> um, speaking of multiple baddies, though. Strider versus the Nazgul. Oh, it's just fucking cool. It's like so it's cool. just. Sometimes you don't need to overthink it. It's just fucking cool. Yeah, because that's something the that Nazgul. you don't even want to overthink that much. Because if you do, you're like, hang on, <laughs> <laughs> these things like Gandalf can't go one on one with the Witch King. Yeah, but Strider just scared off like fucking four of these things. <laughs> anyway, who cares? It's fucking cool. Yeah, the Nazgul are so cool though. That's great character design. The, oh man, I was freaked out. I was fucking freaked out. I, I, rem- I remember being sc- so, like I said, I was thirteen, so I was a bit younger than you, and my younger sister was only eleven, and she was terrified. I don't know if she ever actually ended up seeing the rest of these films because I think that first one just She's scared scarred. her so much. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> cool little thing that our introduction to another another baddie is, of course, the chief Urukai. Yeah. Cool thing that the first time this guy is like, you know, in inverted commas, born. Yeah. The first thing this guy does is to take a life. Yeah. Yeah. What a great little shortcut to be like, this guy's not to be fucked with. <laughs> <laughs> like he kills another, he kills someone on his own fucking team. Yeah. 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 He's a bad dude. The <laughs> bad dude. One of the things that in our advancing years that Billy and I talk about, maybe more than movies these days. Is, is our gardens. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like so like, like Tolkien, <laughs> we've developed a love of things that grow. Yeah. Um, you, you came over about two weeks ago and we got far too drunk. And at one point, I think, we, was it super bad we threw on? I don't remember really watching it, though, because we were just talking about, like, you were telling me about your ground cover that you finally yeah. do you know what? Get? Do you know what my ground cover looks like? <laughs> I and, don't. And a part of the reason I may have picked it, <laughs> it fucking looks like King's Foil. <laughs> Fucking can't wait for this shit to grow. <laughs> Anything that ails you, just come around. <laughs> Get some king's foil into you. You'll be fine. How are your hops going, by the way? Mate, that thing has grown in the last- I'm not I'm not kidding you. We've had some good rain in um, springtime. Yeah, not to sound like I'm in my mid-30s, but man, this rain, the plants are loving it up. <laughs> it has grown half a metre this week. Wow. What what variety is it again? Centennial. Ooh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love how in uh speaking of more more awesome character introductions, the first time we meet Boromir at, at Rivendell, he picks up the what's left of of Narsal. Like one of those guys, we all know him, that have a hard on for any military kit. Oh my <laughs> god. I once Boromir's just like, fuck yeah. I once worked with a guy. I don't think I think he was gone by the time you started, and he was he was like that. We were once driving through Fishwick, and no shit, I can't remember what we were doing, where we were going. He drove across the wrong side of the road and up a curb because he saw a military store and he wanted to stop and go inside. <laughs> and it's like this is on work time. He literally just cut across traffic, and I remember the car like bouncing up this curb. Just because he saw a military shop. I bought a sick backpack there, though. <laughs> uh, now, before we move on, I feel like we need to have a brief discussion about something. And I feel like it's an important discussion to have. You might know where I'm going here, but we are now several hours into this film. We're finally at Rivendell, so things are about to change. But so far, we've met maybe 10 mainish characters. No speaking females to this point in the film. 
we we have heard from Liv Tyler at this point. Yeah. Because she, she's picked Frodo up. Yeah. Um, in the extended cut, Rosie has said something, <laughs> but not in the theatrical cut. <laughs> yeah. We don't we, we see Rosie the Hobbit, but we don't hear from her. Yeah. Um, Tolkien, not the best at fleshing out <laughs> female characters or like having, having them. <laughs> um, yeah, tough stuff. It, it is one of those things where like it makes it almost hard to appreciate this trilogy in hindsight because you're not supposed to. You know that it's a bad thing to do to like a film with such little representation as this. But fuck me, it's just such a good movie that I have to ignore that, and I know I'm not supposed to ignore that, which is why I wanted to have the discussion. I know, and does it make does it make us better people because we know? Because oh, we know, don't that know if we should be right. looking past this and loving it. <laughs> yeah, or or even worse, because we're like, oh, this is tough, and I still fucking love it. <laughs> I know. Well, and here's the thing. I don't even think it's necessarily fair to use the, oh, you know, it was 20 years ago excuse. Like, yes, it was 20 years ago. And yes, the book was obviously even much older than that. But it just doesn't feel right. (laughs) Even the fact that once (laughs) there's not a single scene in this entire trilogy where two women speak to each other. (laughs) No, there's not. Yeah, there's literally not a single scene where two women converse. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like, not only does this fail the Bechdel test, it fails it fucking spectacularly. <laughs> um, yes. Um, I mean, let's talk about Liv Tyler, though, while we are talking about women and we're up to that point in the film. Like you brought up, she kind of was the big name at the time, but not necessarily a respected actress, really. Like, she's mostly known for being Steve Tyler's daughter and for i guess yeah empire records and armageddon yeah neither of which are kind of like i'm a massive empire records fan and everybody loves armageddon you gotta love those animal crackers on her belly button but like (laughs) but where are you on Liv tyler in the film and her performance Are, are you a fan because i gotta say every time i watch it i'm surprised by how good she is knowing that she's not really a kind of respected actress even today Look, by no means does she take me out of the movie. I don't think she's batting at quite the level that, like, that quite the level that McKellen and Mortensen are. Now, they're absolutely fucking killing it. Yeah. I, like, she, I don't think she's top tier of performances in the film, quite frankly, by any stretch. But I don't, it's not like I sit there cringing, going, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, this is no good. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm kind of neutral on it, I suppose. Yeah, okay. But you're but you're definitely pro. I, I'm I'm pro Tyler. Yeah, I, I really enjoy her performance in this film. I I think for for my money, and I know that this won't shock you because it's me saying it, but it will shock you because you, you won't like me saying it. I think she's better than Blanche oh, in this film. Sake. <laughs> Jesus this was the film. This was the film for me. This was the film for me that turned me against Blanchett. Where I'm like, I I just don't. Love it. Like, I feel like I can see the acting cogs turning in her head while she's acting. And I, I don't love Blanchett. I've got nothing left to say. <laughs> I, d- I didn't think you would, On Matt. this topic, you've embarrassed yourself again. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's bound to happen. You talk to me, I'm going to embarrass myself at some point. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of great Australian actors, <laughs> even Hugo Weaving cannot save having to say the title of a film. Yeah. You know it's one of my pet fucking hates. I do. I do. I fucking hate it when they say the title. <laughs> and Hugo Weaving, who I think is tremendous as Elrond, yeah. when he has to get up there and say, you shall be the fellowship of the ring, I you mean- can see it in his eye that he hates himself in that moment. <laughs> in fairness, it's the it's the, the, the subtitle that they say, not the- It's not like they say, and you shall be the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, that would be atrocious. <laughs> Funnily enough, when- McKellen says that there can be only one Lord of the Ring or that there is only one Lord yes, of the Ring. Yes, yeah. That actually works. That fucking rules. It does, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. not not you shall be no. <laughs> no. Get right out of here. No good. It is pretty it might it might be the worst example of inserting the title of a film into the screenplay. 
It's tough, man. It's really tough. It, yeah. I mean, it's it's a very, very bad thing to do. Mm. I mean, maybe McKellen could sell it. He can do anything. Um, He's like, not I mean, actually for- a wizard. <laughs> what? <laughs> People tell me where to stand. <laughs> so good. Uh, but by this point, we're, we're not far away from the Minds of Moria where McKellen has this just astonishing conversation Almost a monologue, but just talking at Frodo a lot. The the whole, the can you give it to them? Yeah. Frodo, you know, the many who live deserve death. That entire, like, again, if you wanted to build a case that this guy should have got a statue for this film, yeah. that is astonishing. Yeah. And to just, for them to have the, the moxie to just be like, all right, we've set off on adventure. Hit pause because Gandalf's going to give us a life lesson. Yeah. Yeah. It's astonishingly good. Yeah. I I just have to bring- You just said the word. I can't hear the word adventure without in my head hearing, I'm going on an adventure. (laughs) That's my guy, man. I love him. Um, I would watch a supercut of Gandalf abusing Pippin. Oh, dude, it's so good. (laughs) I love those two. The most unlikely brilliant pairing. Yeah. Gandalf and Pippin are the best, especially Gandalf- just yeah. giving Pippin shit. Yeah. I, I think that that is one of the things that makes this movie and the franchise- Franchise sounds like a weird word for this series because, yeah. Okay, this saga. It only became a franchise when The Hobbit came out, I would argue. True. Okay, yeah. I think what makes this movie and the saga at large work so well is- And again, this goes right back to Tolkien- Is the way that every character almost- is fully established and rounded and real. And those little pairings you get when they separate, because as we all know, the fellowship does not stay a fellowship for the oh, remainder of this. Not for fucking not long for, at all. I mean, for a couple barely, of days. Yeah, like <laughs> barely even to the end of this movie. They make it halfway up a hill. Yeah. yeah. That's about it. And then they're separated. And to like, it still works really well because you get these little pairings and pockets of characters together and the way that they interact with each other. Yeah, it's really fun. Do you... Not when he's trying to kill everyone, but in 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 its last fleeting moments of life, do you feel bad for the cave troll? I mean, yeah. They, yeah. This was a... Like, props to the special effects department here. They, they somehow did this thing with this character who's yeah. been wrecking shop that in its last moments... They kind of create a full character, and you're like, "Oh, yeah." I think I think this thing has a mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he maybe just fell in. Yeah, with the wrong with the crowd. wrong crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit like you talking to me. Your mum was like, "Don't do that. Don't you talk to that Billy kid? Yeah, <laughs> he's trouble." <laughs> nah, your mum loves me. <laughs> um, I actually, I feel like we spoke about this many, many, many moons ago when we did our marathon of the Harry Potter series. And because that first movie, which came out the same year, also, you may remember, has a troll in it. And this troll- Do I remember? This troll looks streets ahead of that troll. It's It's so bizarre to me that they came out the same year. Harry Potter must- I mean, obviously, this is a-, a Big deal, but like I said, it was, you know, you're looking at someone who was effectively an indie film director prior to this, as opposed to Chris Columbus, and yet the troll in this looks, it's it holds up pretty well today. It's not the strongest of the visual effects, and, you know, like, when we get to Gollum, every time I watch it, I'm shocked by how ungood Gollum looks compared to my memory of it. But this troll doesn't look bad. Yeah, I think a lot of it's got to be credit to... The sheer amount of pre-production time they had for these movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're like, look, if we're going to do this, we really need to do it right or let's not bother. Yeah. Um, Which then is in stark contrast to the Hobbit movies. Yes. And one of the the issues there is that they just did not have the time that they had here. Yeah. With these films. Did they- I mean, I'm still unclear on the story there because I know that that was not supposed to be a trilogy- did they actually have a completed screenplay at all when they started? Or like No, my from what I've heard of interviews of like people who people who were involved in the film, it it was really laying the track in front of the train. Yeah. That's that's bad process. 
good good job having Frodo thrice. He has three attempts. Thrice he tries to give up the ring <laughs> in this film. Yeah. Which is which is good because it tells us that Frodo is one of the ways it just tells us that this is the right person to have this thing. Yeah, because he doesn't want it. Because he doesn't fucking want it. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting thing because we know that the ring corrupts hobbits to an extent. We've seen it happen yeah, with Bilbo. Ult- we know that ultimately it won't be enough. The yeah. ring the ring beats Frodo. Yes, yeah. Despite the fact that, as luck would have it, it's wound up with the right person. Yeah, and that that's the thing because I think you could watch this movie and because it takes a very long time to corrupt Bilbo, realistically. It's his 111th birthday, and hobbits don't usually live that long, right? Like, he's special because he has the ring. So you could look at it and go, well, okay, maybe it affects hobbits slower than man, and that's why Gandalf has given Frodo this task. But you're right, it's not just that. It's not just that alone. There is something about Frodo specifically Mm. that makes him the half-man for this job. And also, as far as Tolkien's concerned, the way he's made them, hobbits are hardy, good Folk. They're they're pure to an extent. They're, they're almost like- They like growing they're, things. They're like children, you know? You brought it up just before with them leaving the Shire and that kind of childishness of, I've, I've never walked this far before. Like, it's just, there's something so innocent about a hobbit. But then whenever they need to rise to the occasion, as Gandalf remarks, yeah. they can still surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. it's it's It really is a beautiful- story i think honestly like i mean and there's no surprise saying that it's one of the best-selling most renowned stories of all time but from a storytelling and structure perspective it is chef's kiss (laughs) hey speaking of beautiful things Liv tyler one of my (laughs) one of my favorite shots in film history i'm not kidding yeah right i'm not kidding is when aragorn turns to face the orc army after yeah. telling after telling Frodo to run. Yeah, yeah. And Aragorn turns in fucking glorious slow motion. Yeah. It might be the greatest film moment in history. As yeah. as Vigo Mortensen has this just fucking great mix on his face of I'm in trouble here. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of these guys. Yeah. But then there's also there's a bit of all right, you guys are fucked. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know who the fuck I am? Yeah. This is going to end bad for you. And then he fucking wrecks shop on them and it's fucking great. Yeah. I mean, this is now well and truly our longest episode ever. We're an hour in at this point. But I feel like we've barely even discussed Viggo Mortensen yet. And I think the only time we've ever discussed him on the show prior to this is Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> so let's give the man his due. I, my memory at least, is that this was my introduction to Vigo. I'm sure that he must have done stuff prior, but I, to me at least, he was an unknown. I had a, I had a strong pre-existing relationship with Vigo because I was so fucking obsessed with Crimson Tide. Ah, uh, yes, yes, you have discussed Crimson yeah. Tide in the past, and of course, he uh, he plays Weps <laughs> in Crimson Tide, and he's fucking great in that yeah. film. Yeah, so. When Fellowship came out, I probably watched Crimson Tide 25 times. <laughs> <laughs> so Vigo was already kind of my guy. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, the the luck they had here, he was, of course, like, pretty well known now that they had already cast Aragorn. Yeah, yeah. And decided they'd already started production and were like, we've got this wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> PJ calls up Vigo. He's like, hey, are you interested? He's like, I don't know, how long have I got to decide? He's like, well, <laughs> fucking today. Yeah. Vigo's son, Vigo isn't a Lord of the Rings fan, but his son is and tells him to get on a fucking plane to New Zealand. Yeah. And we wind up with oh. an astonishing rendering of this character. Absolutely, absolutely. He is so... Thoroughly well rounded. Handsome. I mean, he is he is handsome, definitely. But it's it's that beautiful kind of withered handsomeness where there's something kind of dark and brooding in the handsomeness. You know, like he looks like he's lived a life. Like, and that is just the perfect casting for Aragorn. Yeah, don't want to smell the guy, but looks good. <laughs> um, speaking of great shots in cinema history, another slow mo shot that PJ uses here. 
the orcs running past the fallen but not yet dead yep. Boromir is like in terms of composition and everything, it's it the way it works with the the music is is all fucking great. Yeah. The other thing that's I think sensational about it is how it lends the the visuals of that specific shot. There's two there's two shots really that yeah. kind of follow each other there. The way that they inform just what a bummer this is for this character who is kind of the most overtly heroic yeah. member of the fellowship. The first guy who's gonna throw himself into battle, yada yada yada. And yet, before he's even dead, he's been forgotten. Yeah. By these baddies. Like, actually, mate, we've got way more important shit than you. How what a fucking yeah. bummer for yeah. Boromir. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the entire battle sequence. From, I know that it's it's small, really, especially in comparison to the rest of this saga. But this is one of my favorite battles. Like, I still don't think that there is a better orc moment than when he gets stabbed and instead of anything else, he just grabs the sword and pulls it deeper in. terrifying. And it's like fucking hell. It's like the iconic, we've spoken about it before, the shot of the alien with Sigourney Weaver that everyone forgets is actually Alien 3. That iconic shot of the alien right up against her face. That's what this... This is that moment for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It is terrifying. And again, that could come off so campy in the wrong hands, but it it comes off scary. <laughs> and there was... When Aragorn lops his head off in the cinema on Boxing Day... There was spontaneous applause. Like the cinema erupted. Yeah. And this is yep. this is before the days of the MCU where they had to convince you over seven films that Captain America is at all good. <laughs> when in fact, he's just a fucking terrible character. Yeah. This was just a spontaneous, I've been with this guy for one fucking movie. Yeah. And that was fucking spectacular. Yeah. It was a joy. Yeah. It was a joy, Billy. <laughs> he's ah, oh, you really again. We haven't harped on about it too much, I don't think. But one of the <laughs> one of the bummers of watching the theatrical version of this film, yeah, is that in that in that final fight scene, you get like Leg- Legolas. He like he, he you know knocks off a few people in a row. It's like a, literally half of what he does in the extended one, where you just get this awesome shot of Orlando Bloom standing there with a bow, oh. just fucking owning orcs all over the shop. Yeah, and it's the best and. I, I, you know, it's fucking four seconds. Yeah. Just fucking leave it in. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Orlando Bloom, back before we were sick of him. I know. This, this movie literally invented a pop star, effectively. Like, Orlando Bloom became one of the biggest people on earth out of this movie. Uh, like, again, maybe this was just my naiveness because I was 13 at the time. I'd never heard of Orlando Bloom before this. Now, nah, he'd done one thing, the name of which now escapes me, I think. Uh, and he, he might have been on like a Midsummer Murder in yeah. England or something, but we didn't. no one knew who it, Orlando Bloom was. It's one of those interesting things where because of what he became, it makes it easy in hindsight to look back at him in these films and go, he's not actually that good. He's just a pretty boy. Like, it's really easy to do that because he became known as this kind of gorgeous, you know, rock star of a celebrity. But I think he's actually really good in these films. I think that Legolas is fucking cool. Yeah, there's something that works with the character of Legolas that at this stage in his career, Orlando Bloom is proving himself. Yes, yeah, yeah. All right, where are you on the end of this film? Because everybody knew that this was the start of a trilogy. Not everyone. Really? I know people who at the end of the film were like- Wait, what? I just sat through three hours and they're fucking- <laughs> They're not even- Because <laughs> even I, who wasn't familiar with the the books, knew that this was, like, the first part. Um, where are you on, you know, the, the chosen ending point and everything and knowing what's coming next? Because I, I personally- like, I've, I've said this on record. This is my favourite of this saga, easily. I think this is the best film. I think it's- Probably the only one that works as a film on its own. I I know people like you. I don't know anyone who didn't know it was like a continuation, 
But I knew people who complained about that ending and how shitty it was. But I actually think it stands alone pretty well as a as a structured story. I think it's spectacular, actually. Yeah, um, it does. Like it, it does have its own conclusion, and yet made made you go. These twelve months are going to feel long. Yeah, I yeah. so badly want more of this. And they did. It was like while, a TV season finale. Like while yeah, but while while working so well as its own story. Yeah. Um. That's what. That's where for me it's. Again, like you, I'm in furious agreement that Fellowship is the best of the trilogy because it just has this inherent advantage that it works the best as its own story. Yeah. I I wonder if we're going to be lockstep here then, because for me, this is a 10 out of 10, uh, honestly. Are you the same? Are we looking at our highest ever We Watched a Thing combined score? We've never given a 20. We've never given a 20. (laughs) We've never given a 20 because... We had instances where, for, I mean, you gave The Godfather 9. Yep. Um, Good film. Great film. Same same score you gave Ready or Not. <laughs> Excellent film. <laughs> In hindsight, Ready or Not should have been a 10. <laughs> uh, and, and, and you gave Tommy Boy a 2. So, you know, we've no, both... No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I did not. Did you give it a 1? Fuck. <laughs> See, so we've both had occasions where we've scored something lower than somebody would think you should. Uh, Fellowship's a 10. Yes. Well, here we go. Our first ever 20. Wow. It took five years to get here, but here we are. Um, this movie fucking rules. Yeah. Since, since it came out, no other movie has had a grip on me like this film has. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, it was so much fun watching it again. I mean, here we are. Probably, yes, definitely the longest film we've ever done on the show. This this nudges Titanic. And uh, longest episode we've ever, ever recorded. Longer than the 16 minutes we gave Red Sparrow. <laughs> Fuck, that was bad. <laughs> Terrible episode. Don't, don't bring it up because I don't want people to Everyone go back and listen. listen to the Red Sparrow <laughs> so, episode. Oh, it was embarrassingly bad. Uh, fucking delete that from we, the internet. We were like 20 episodes in and I was like, do we just end the show here? <laughs> But, I mean, I tell you It's what. like the Fellowship getting to Caradras and going, nah. <laughs> Mate, if we keep recording at this pace, we will not be done until 1am. No, okay, let's watch Two Towers. Okay, let's get into it then. All right, well, yeah, so, yeah, next week we'll be getting to Two Towers. Uh, for you people in your ears, we're going to do that right now. Um, so, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and I'll catch you next week. Yay.